caller was saying she has a sore throat today. She couldn't sing. I thought she sounded great. They all sounded great. Martino, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good? All is well? Some of you are sitting so far, like, what's going on? There's no bad breath up here, and even if there was, you couldn't sense it from where you're sitting. <laughs> All right, I'll start with a short word of prayer, and we can begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that you are an awesome God, Lord, and you've given your life to us, and you've given your son's life for us, Lord. So we are just in awe at your at your openness, Lord. We're at awe at your giving nature, Father, and thank you so much for accomplishing the impossible in our life, Lord. We want to say that we love you, Lord. We thank you for everything you've given us, Lord. I ask that you, Lord, use me today as a vessel, Father. Speak through me, Lord, whatever you put on my heart uh, that I'm so excited to share, Father. May it translate properly, Lord, and only you can convince our hearts, Lord, to not only hear but apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I am so excited about the Word of God, I have to say. Like, I just want to hug this thing right here. I'm so, so excited. And, you know, the Bible and Christian life should be exciting. And if we're not excited, something's not right. I'm not saying we're going to always be jumping up and down for joy. There are ebbs and flows, but there should be a general sense of excitement in our Christian life. Amen? So are you excited or are you in depression? All right, good. We're excited. Thank you. All right, so I'm excited about this word today, but I have to say that if we don't go home and apply what we hear, it's really a waste of time. This is, this is one of those messages that really requires us to apply it. We can hear it and say, okay, that's great. Nothing new, I've heard this before, but if we can truly apply it to our lives, I think that we can see a big, big change. So I'm calling this series Back to Basics because really what we all want, and I really believe this, what we all want in our, in our Christian life is to become spiritually mature, right? Don't we all want to become spiritually mature? Don't we all want to rise to a higher ground in God. We don't want to be tossed to and fro, as the word says, by every wind of doctrine. We want to have a solid foundation, and we really want to mature spiritually. So I think that we really got to start living this life that we've received. We've received this life from God. It's time for us to start living this life. And if you've lived this life, praise the Lord. But I'm not that strong. I ebb and flow, so I think some of you can relate to that, so maybe this can help you a little bit. And why am I calling this back to basics? Because if we don't have some of the, the fundamental foundational teachings down, it's really hard to move to the next level. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are certain very basic teachings in the Bible that if we don't get them down and we just want more of what God has for us, we kind of miss a big mark. And one more thing about, you know, just my overall burden. My burden is for the young people of this generation to really start understanding the Word of God on a deeper, on a deeper level. And for us as young people to be diligent students of the Word, 
diligent students of the word. And this is not just for young people, but it starts young, and that's very important. In Hosea, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowing the word of God can lead to a destroyed life. That's pretty serious. You can be saved. You're, you're going to go to heaven. No one, nothing's going to change that, but we want a real successful spiritual life at the same time, don't we? Like, why are we even gathered at church? Have you ever asked yourself that? There could be so many better places to be on a Sunday. Sunday fun day. Everyone posts Sunday. They're having the time of their lives. They're going to the beach. But we believe that when we come together, it's important. We learn from each other. We learn from the word. We praise and worship God, and we go one level forward to spiritual maturity. Right? Okay. All right, so... In Matthew 24, Jesus talks a lot about the signs of the end, the end days. And one of the things he talks about is there's going to be a lot of deception in the world in the last days. We read so much about deception. And I don't have to talk much about deception, but you can just turn on the TV, you can go on social media, and there's so much deception out there. We don't really even know anymore what's right and what's wrong. But it's not just in the world. There's a lot of spiritual deception as well. Satan's very smart. He knows how to deceive us spiritually. He knows how to deceive us with the Word of God. When Satan was tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't say something out of the ordinary. You know, he was quoting what God said and kind of putting a question mark behind it. Did God really say that? So there's a lot of spiritual deception. Deception is Satan's Modus operandi, that's the way he operates. The Bible calls Satan a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies. We've all heard that statement, right? He's the father of lies. So we have to know the word of God because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Only by knowing the word of God can we be truly free from deception. They're so serious today. <laughs> it's Satan, okay. We're going to deal with him a little later. So today's message is about faith, okay? Faith is the foundation of our Christian life. We're all experts on faith, right? We know all about, <laughs> we know all about faith. The first slide is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith... This is describing what faith is. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So there's two aspects of faith. Faith, on the one hand, it's confidence in what we hope for. There are some stuff that just have not happened yet. None of us have gone to heaven yet. But we hope or we have an, a, a confidence that when we leave this body, we're going to go to heaven, right? We're confident that death has no meaning in our life. Sickness in reality has no meaning in our life because absence with the body, presence with the Lord. It's something that's going to happen in the future, and by faith we have confidence in something that we're hoping in. I know and I hope in the future one day this is going to happen, okay? The second aspect of faith is assurance about what we don't see, now, this is going to be the topic more so for today. 
assurance of what we don't see. These are things that are spiritual realities. We don't see them, but we have to have assurance about them or confidence in them. Are we following? So I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. For confidence in what we hope for, okay, the first part of it. Now, can someone yell out when they were saved? Just years-wise, how many years ago? 17? Seven, okay, so Tia was saved 17 years ago, but Jesus died on the cross for her salvation 2,000 years ago. So when she hears the word of God and she accepts Christ as her Savior, God makes it a reality for her life today. So he doesn't need to say, uh-oh, Tia just gave her heart. Okay, Jesus, where are you? Oh, here he is on my right hand. Let's go back down. We're going to go nail you on the cross. And No, it already happened, right? So something that's a reality was applied to her life the moment she accepted Christ. Do you get kind of how there are a lot of spiritual realities? There are realities. All you have to believe, and they become a reality in your life. Yes? I'm so amazed. I mean, we talk about Abraham a lot, but I'm really amazed at Abraham's faith. Out of nowhere, imagine God comes to Abraham. He's living life the way he wants to live. He's living in a random area where they're just partying it up and doing whatever they want. And one day God says, leave everything behind and follow me to a land that I will show you. He doesn't even tell him where he's going. He just says, follow me. And Abraham was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. God loves that. God loves that raw, just faith that doesn't make any sense. And it's so amazing because we have the Bible. We know to some degree who God is, but Abraham had nothing. There was no written word anymore. So all he had to do was hear what God was saying and believe it and just say, by faith, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to follow you all the way. Then when around Abraham is 75 years old, out of nowhere, once again, we don't read anything about him being scared of anything. God just comes to him and says, do not be afraid. So you know what this shows? That you don't even have to say anything. God knows already what's going on in your life. He already knows what your fears are about. He already knows what your anxieties are about. He knows everything about you. All the days of your life are numbered in his book. All the hairs on your head are counted easier for, I guess, some people, but if you have a lot of hair, it's harder. <laughs> Do not be afraid. What was his fear? I don't have any offspring. I don't have any kids. In those days, you have to have something to pass down your goods and stuff to, right? Nowadays, we don't really think about stuff like that, but in those days, you really had to have something, and he was worried. He's like, everything I've worked for, everything you've blessed me with, is going to go to Eleazar, this random servant of his. It's not fair, Lord. He's not saying this, but he's holding all this in his heart, and he starts to be afraid later on because he's getting older now. He was 75, as I said, but Jesus says, or God says to him, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. 
shield. Remember the word shield. And of course, Abraham turns around and says, you know, what are you going to bless me with, Lord? This is my situation. This is what I'm afraid about. I don't have anyone to, to leave all this to. I love what God does next. God says, come outside. Let's look at the stars. Count them all. You're going to have this many offspring. What God has in store for us is unimaginable. We think we know what we need. I'm sure Abraham would have been satisfied, maybe not even with a child. Maybe he would have even been satisfied if God said, go find Lot, your nephew, give him everything. At least he's blood related to you. But not only is he saying you're going to have a kid, you're going to have so many kids that you're not even going to be able to name them or uh, count them, I should say. Faith makes the impossible possible. And it says that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. So any of you 75-year-olds believe you're going to have kids? No? Okay, that was a joke. But. So faith requires a little bit of endurance, patience, a lot of waiting, and believing when you don't see something. Uh-oh. We're all checking out. The second I said waiting, patience, that's not for me. Our faith is tested in the waiting period. James says in James 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. How many of you are going through trials? Trials? Uh-oh, someone's waving two hands. A lot of trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith, our faith is not always, ah, oh, jolly-go-lucky, our faith gets tested. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Mature. And complete, not lacking anything. Oh my gosh, God wants to bless us with everything. He doesn't want us to lack anything. I think sometimes we don't even want everything. Like It's too good to be true. Maturity means you don't waver. You don't go up and down based on emotions. Maturity is consistent. Maturity is patience. My most hated thing in the world, patience. I actually have a funny story about patience. So about 10 years ago, I was just asked to join the worship team. And I always laugh when I think about the story. So you know that intersection right in front of church across the Vons where you make a left to go to the back way into church, the back parking lot? So when it's green, you have to yield for the cars to go before you can make a left. Have you ever driven to this church before? You don't know what I'm talking about? So, of course, I was in a rush. And the first time someone told me to join worship, I'm like, dang, and I have to be at church on time. But then I, because I was always going like 30 minutes late. But then I realized, uh-oh, I have to go even earlier because we got to rehearse a little bit. So I'm trying to get to church early. And there's this car in front of me. And it's finally like turning, or what is it, yellow? yellow I always say orange. It's finally turning yellow. And she's not going. She's just slowly, and I start honking the horn. I'm holding the horn. 
Then I see from the rearview mirror she looks at me, and I'm like, no, I'm really going to let her have it. So I start mouthing some beautiful four-letter words, and I'm like, and I'm like just fighting with her. And then she turns to, to the left to come to the back of the church area, and I'm like, uh-oh, what if she's a member of the church? And then I see she's going towards the back alley, and she turns into the church. And as she's turning, I see the side of her face, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's one of our sisters. So she doesn't come to church anymore, but thank God. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me pull over for a little bit, and I'll let her go, and she probably doesn't even know who I am. She probably won't even recognize me anyways, because I was never going to church on time, so it will be a shock for her. And... She par- I wait like five minutes, I go in, we do the song, and then I, I go sit down in my seat, and then I look over at her, and she's staring at me so funny. She's just looking at me, like, condemning me with her eyes. And I'm like, there's no way she knew that it was me, and even if she did, she wouldn't still be mad about it. So then the speaker comes up, speaks, church is dismissed, and I was standing right there, and she walks, looking at me dead in the eyes, walks all the way past me and says, I know that was you behind me. And then she just walks out that door. So, moral of the story is patience <laughs> is <laughs> something I struggle with. So where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, I think that's a slide for that, yeah. So, we got to have, we know we got to have faith, right? But we won't have faith unless we hear and know and understand God's Word. The, God's Word actually gives us faith or increases our faith. A few things that faith is not, or faith does not. Faith does not contradict God's Word. So, you can't say, for instance, I'm trying to think of an example. You can't say, I have faith that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fellowship with people and, and, and you know, be blessed by fellowship from people, but then you're home and don't go and fellowship with people. It's just like, that doesn't make any sense, right? So, faith does not increase by praying for faith. Lord, give me faith. It says, have faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So, by hearing the Word of God, we have faith. And faith does not solve everything overnight. So there's a patience aspect to faith. When Jesus was healing people, he would always ask them, do you believe? There is a belief, a faith element of his healings. There is a faith element of his miracles. I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I don't re- think that God would heal anybody who had absolutely no faith. I think he wanted them to exercise their faith to really show how incredible faith is. He says, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move and it would move. He's trying to say how powerful faith is. So one day, two blind men are following Jesus. He said, they say, have mercy on me, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked him, do you, and he asked them, so Jesus is asking them, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, 
let it be done to you, and their sight was restored. Boring message of faith, here we go again. I've heard this before. Faith activates spiritual realities. Think about that for a second. Faith activates spiritual realities. I gave the example of our salvation. He died 2,000 years ago. But when we believe by faith, it becomes active in our lives today. And God has placed us all in Christ, and all the spiritual riches of Christ, everything, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, loving your neighbor, turning the other cheek if your neighbor slaps you in the face when all you want to do is just backhand them back, peace, joy, love, all these things we must accept as true by faith. These are all our qualities. Is it clicking? He's given us all these things, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, everything, patience, joy, love, except everything is ours. We have to accept it by faith, and He will naturally work it out to be activated in our lives. We don't sit around praying for it. We must accept it as true by faith, and eventually those qualities will be manifested in us through the working of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to believe. Even when I was rereading this, I was doubting because it sounds so easy. I'll give you an example of how this might make sense. When I was um, younger, I was very, very, very skinny. Like, I was very self-conscious of how skinny I was. I hated it. And I was around 17 years old. My cousin came up to me and said, do you want to start going to the gym with me? We can go every day. And every day, senior year, we would wake up at 5 in the morning. We'd go to the gym for an hour and a half. We'd eat. I'd go to uh, school. I'd be eating, eating, eating all throughout school. Go back home. Go back to the gym. I mean, it was nonstop. But w when he first said, do you want to start working out and getting, you know, bigger and more in physical shape? I said, yeah, but I don't have any muscle. So it didn't click to me that we all have muscle in us. And you got to work it out for it to grow. And I guess I knew it, but I, it was just so foreign for me that I'm all like, wait a minute, so you're telling me that if I start lifting weights, I'm going to get bigger and I'm no longer going to be skinny? It just doesn't make any sense. You see, so the Holy Spirit is like that. It's in us. We all have it. We all have all the qualities of the Holy Spirit, but we got to work it out. How do we work it out? By faith, believing in what is already in us. The Bible says, in Him you live and move and have your existence. Take our mind, our eyes, our vision out of ourselves and our weaknesses and our this and our that and focus on the realities that are in Christ. Once we start exercising, believing by faith and obedience when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, which is going to be next week's topic. So once we have faith, yes, and then he gives us direction, 
and then we have to obey and do as he says as well. So that's going to be another topic. But once we do that, God will make these spiritual realities subjective realities in our lives. Amen? We are constantly asking for things we already have. We are constantly asking, Lord, I'm weak. Make me strong. How many of you say that? Come on, I do it too. But what does the Word of God say? He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Power and love and of sound mind. Anyone dealing with mental issues? He did not give you a spirit of fear, but of sound mind. Stop living based on how you feel. Declare what you are and who you are in Christ. The Bible gives us formulas for everything. I, so many people are suffering with anxiety. I have anxiety. I can't deal with my anxiety. What does the Bible say about anxiety? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and petition and thankfulness with thanksgiving, so there's a, a key there, with thanksgiving, because once you start flooding your mind with things that you are thankful for, with things that God has already done, your fears and your anxieties get smaller because you, you start seeing the magnitude of God. So every morning, and I've, I'm saying this not to brag because I, I have bad days, but I've tried to make a consistent effort every morning. I wake up five to ten minutes. I'm in bed. I'm just going through the list of all the blessings in Christ, one by one, all the realities. You think I don't have anxiety sometimes? You can't be in my line of work and not have anxiety. It's like how the industry operates. Everyone's crazy and has anxiety. Confession is so important. Verbal confession. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue, you are saved. How much time do we spend saying things that are just not true or contrary to what the Word of God says? Yes? Even our, to our own selves. How many times do we look in a mirror and criticize ourselves, how we look? What a slap in the face to God. It says we were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. Thank God for some products and some nice things out there that we can make it look a little nicer. Paint the walls that he made. <laughs> Words are so powerful. Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I will go one step further and say our tongue, what we say about ourselves, about others, dictates the trajectory of our lives. Or we victimize ourselves. Oh, I can't. The other day I woke up in the morning. Oh, <laughs> I can't do this, Lord. I don't want to go to work. I felt like he said, get your butt up. You're 31 years old. Go to work. You still have a back and you still have legs. You can walk. 
And while you're at it, clean up your bed too. Stop leaving it undone when you're going to work. I'm kidding around a little bit, but the point is we got to stop listening and accepting all the lies that the enemy tries to put in our head. You're not good enough. You're not, you're too weak. Oh, your salvation, you've been doing something so wrong for so many years. You're, are you really saved? He loves to do that with new Christians. Are you really saved? Are you really saved? Focus on what the Word of God says about us. You know that faith is a fight. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Tongue twister. Fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. It's spiritual warfare. It's not just, oh, I believe. It's constant, constant, constant morning till night attacks coming at us to doubt, to bring fear, to bring this. And we got to fight with faith in the Word of God. The battle is between the enemy's lies and his deception and the truth, which is the Word of God of the Lord, and it usually starts with the smallest things. We think that he's going to come and lie about something grand at times, but usually it's just, again, just waking up in the morning and just feeling that defeat, and I don't want to do this, and it's just that immediately just set your day down the wrong path, and when you have seven or eight of those during the day, then all of a sudden you have a terrible, terrible experience. Spiritual warfare is not always something huge. It's a daily battle. So I think the Lord is working on this, but I was pretty reactionary when I was younger. No, no one could relate to that. Something goes out of your way a little bit, you're inconvenienced a little bit, and you make a big deal. So I'll tell you one more funny story about what happened to me last week. I, again, I told you for about a month or so, I've been just, you know, trying to keep a, a nice path with the Lord, praying, and I've been in a lot of reading, and I've just, I, was, I felt so spiritually just ready and motivated and happy and excited, and nothing was going to tear me down. The day was going great. I'd mapped everything out. The day was very organized, and then all of a sudden I said, okay, I, I have to do some laundry. So I go down into our building's laundry. I put two loads of laundry in. And I said, perfect, I'll wash them, I'll go do some other errand, I'll come back, I'll put them in the dryer, and then I'll, you know, go about my business. Well, the laundry's done, I get a notification on my phone, I go down, one of them is clean. One of them, there was murky water all the way covering it, it didn't clean, the machine broke, and my clothes were just swimming in a sea of filth. I was so mad. Everything I'm speaking today just went out the window. I was huffing and puffing, and I was trying to find someone to blame. And then, you know what? It was, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was saying, why do you let something so small and dumb ruin your peace and your joy in me? We got to learn to let some things go, church. Not let some petty little stuff get to us. And again, it's a battle if I were to just accept Satan's lie he was putting him, oh, there it goes, oh, you're an angry person, there goes your anger again, oh, here it comes. If I were to just accept that, then I would have gone into a full rage. Get behind me, Satan. I know who I am in Christ. I'm not going to listen to what you say. I'm going to listen to what the Word of God says. 
Love is patient, and that love lives in me. Then I took a sledgehammer and I broke that laundry machine. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord. It's not saying pray to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. He's always scheming. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Remember, not wavering, standing our ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, the truth, Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel we preach is a gospel of peace. No? In addition to all this, I want to focus on this today. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Faith is like a giant shield you hold and you cover yourselves with. Why? With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Morning till night, he's trying to find something to accuse you with, something to rob your peace, something to make you doubt that you have victory in your life, victory over sin, victory over whatever. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. So not only does the Word of God give us faith as a shield, but we use it to fight as a weapon. Our problem is sometimes we want to we improve the old man. I want to improve Arlen. I want to make Arlen better. I want to make Arlen more patient. I want to make Arlen have more joy. We're always focused on trying to fix our old man, but Romans 6.11 says, Consider yourselves to be dead. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. I love the way this version, this translation says, but your relationship to sin broken. So imagine you are, you have a creditor and you pay that person $100 a month and then only for a year you owed him. And then it's a year's up and then you're still paying the guy $100 a month. It, it doesn't make any sense. Your relationship to sin that we were slave to, that old man that we were slave to, that we couldn't do it, is broken. But alive to God, consider yourselves alive to God in unbroken fellowship with Him. Where? In Christ Jesus. Can you say, I'm in Christ Jesus? Oh, that was so depressing. I'm in Christ Jesus. God is reminding us that the old man is dead. And again, peace, joy, righteousness, love, patience, victory over sin, all those things are already realities in Christ. We got to just believe it and accept it by faith. 
and then he will naturally change us and form us into the image and likeness of God. Our job is to abide in him. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Rest in Christ. Keep hold of his promises. Declare the realities in Jesus. Believe and accept it by faith. And in due time, God will allow his character and all the realities in him to be manifested through you. Should I say it again? Or are you tired of hearing me? One more time. Rest in, in Christ. Keep hold of his promises. Declare the realities in Jesus. Believe and accept it by faith. And in due time, God will allow his character and all the realities in him that lives in us to be manifested through us. You know, sometimes there are, something, there are things we struggle with for years and years and years and we just can't get over it. Can you think of something that you just struggle with for years? Can't get over it. It's become a habit at this point. Can't break free from it. And Satan loves to torture us when we're in this kind of a headspace with lies like, oh, you've been doing this for years. It's just part of who you are. You're so weak at this point. I highlighted this next one because it's his personal favorite, I think. Even if you stop for a while, in the end, you know, you'll just succumb. So we might as well just go about your business. And you know what? He's actually right. It's a half-truth. Because yes, you can do it. But Christ in you can do it. You see, he's always trying to make our focus on, cry, on us. And yes, when we look at ourselves, we can't do it. But Christ can do it. Philippians 2.13 says, It's God who works in you both to will, both to even want to do what God wants you to do in the first place, and to do, and then to execute his will. It's Christ who works in you to do that. Am I getting anywhere? Lord have mercy. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. Yet the, the life that I now live in the body, so it's not saying that we're vegetables and we don't exercise our will and we don't make choices. We got to make choices. But the life we live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? It's our job just to have faith. I'm almost at the end. Let's stay together for a little bit longer. I think there's two words that God hates, and that's I can't. I can't do it. I can't. How many times do we say I can't? All throughout the day, I can't, I can't, I can't. What does the Bible say? Come on, loud. Can someone say it loud and proud? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's trying to say take your focus off of you, off of fallen man. Yes, you can do it. That's why Christ already did it. 
Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. So where should our focus be? In closing, always in Christ, right? Anytime Satan tries to redirect your focus back on yourself and your shortcomings, redirect your focus back on Christ and the realities in Him. Our Christian life began by faith. The day we gave our heart to the Lord, you were saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And he takes us to the finish line by faith. And faith is a fight. Keep that in mind. Faith is warfare. And the battle is between the enemy's deceit and the truth, which is the word of the Lord. And everything in the world, in the word, from our position in him to his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to our destiny when we leave this earth, to the fruits of the Spirit, and whatever else there is, we accept it all by faith. Amen? Can we say by faith? I want to read a quote by someone, and I'll close this. This is by anybody familiar with Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor, he was a Christian missionary, and he started a huge missionary in China in like the 1800s. He, so many people were saved that he has a lot of deep, deep messages, writings, I should say. And this is something written about him. It says, because he was trying to live a spiritual life, trying and trying and trying and trying. And it says, Mr. Hudson Taylor once tried hard to overcome. He said, I'm always asking, but God never gives it to me. Can we relate? Always asking, but God never gives it to me. One day when I read John 15, 5, where it says, I am the vine and you are the branches, I immediately received the light. Later he knelt, describing about him what happened later, later he knelt down and prayed saying, I am the most foolish person in the world. The overcoming life that I am looking for, I already have. You are a branch. It is not that you want to be a branch. You are a branch. The life is already in you. For many years, Mr. Taylor asked to be joined to the tree like a branch. Little did he realize that he was already a branch and already joined to the tree. It was not until the day he received the revelation from God and had genuine faith that he had the victory. Later, he was able to accomplish great things for the Lord. Once he was asked to speak at the Keswick Convention, and he related the story. He said, after I failed, I sought for the overcoming life, only to find that I could never obtain it, but the day I believed in it, I received it. Amen? Should I read the whole quote over? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right, so I want to invite us to stand up together and pray. The worship team, I guess, has a song they can set up in the back. Let's pray together. Let's commit ourselves to having a real faith in the Lord and whatever his word says about us. 
And then I'll invite Vahe to come up and we're going to have a, the table of communion. And then we'll go from there, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. And I really just ask, Father, that if anything touched any of us from what we heard, Lord, that you just help us to grasp it really, Lord, see it fully, Lord, and apply it to our lives, Lord. And not just leave here going about in the same old habits, the same old things that we always do, Lord, but really living a life of faith, Father, because we want to become mature Christians in you. We want to reach that level of maturity that you have in mind for us, Lord, and we don't want to be deceived. We, we are living in the end days, and we don't want to be deceived by what we hear and what we don't hear, Lord. We want to have our minds renewed by the word of God, Lord. So I just pray that whatever it is you want us to focus on, whatever it is that you want to speak to us today, Lord, that you do it. I also pray that your, your healing hand be upon everybody here who needs any healing. I know there's a bug going around. Some people are sick and not at church, Father. Bring healing in their life, Father. Anyone who's in need, we pray and believe by faith that you are going to meet their needs, Lord, in your due time. I put this table of communion in your hand. I put the, this next song in your hand. May we just rejoice, praise, and worship you. You are a good God, and you're worthy of praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When we look back to a few years ago when the pandemic started, all the lentils at the Armenian stores were out. Um, I was very pregnant at the time. I was a few weeks away from giving birth to Leah and everything just started shutting down. I, I haven't thought about uh, the, that um, moment of realization in a long time. I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was like watching the news, looking at your phones, figuring out what's gonna happen next. Um, but what I do remember is the comfort that I felt and locked down in this family. Um, and having faith that no matter what was going to happen, switch ears with the mics today. Having faith that no matter what was going to happen, that by faith the Lord was gonna deliver. Amen. That by faith whatever that whatever was good and in his will was gonna happen. And so in this next song, um, let's think about if you're not in a circumstance today where you need him to walk beside you and walk by you. If you're in the place where I feel I am, where God just delivered on all the things that were really hard in my life. I'm, I'm, we were walking yesterday at the beach and I was like, Chris, amen, praise the Lord, drop the mic, the Lord delivered in our lives. Like we are living the life we always hoped for. And maybe you're not there, right? Maybe right now you're in the weeds, you're in the thick of it, you're telling yourself, I don't know how I'm gonna get to the other side. I just don't know. I want us to sing this song and remember every moment where you felt like you were in the blazing fire and the Lord delivered. And if you haven't felt that yet, I want you to think about the fire you're in and I want you to think about the Lord being beside you, somebody being beside you through it, and that somebody's just not anybody. It's the person who created you. It's the yeah. person that created everything, including the circumstance you're in. 
And so let's sing this last song because there is another in the fire. There was always another in the fire. And he carried you. Amen. Amen. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me, there was another in the waters, holding back the seeds. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the water. All my dead left for dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. And should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding what power set me free? There is a grave that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me, there is another in the fire. Oh, there is another in the fire. Oh, there is another in the fire. I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between where's thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us.
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things I've seen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding how good you've been to me, I count the joy come every battle. Cause I know that's where you'll be And I can see the light in the darkness As the darkness bounds to him I can hear the roar in the heavens As the space between worth and I can feel the ground shake beneath us As the prison walls cave in Nothing stands between us Nothing stands between. There'll be another in the fire. Standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters. Holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding. How good you've been to me. I'll count the joy come every battle. Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, as we all standing, uh, I'm not gonna add more, but I really would like to read what uh, Arnold said, because that's part of the table of the meeting of the day, and it's very relatable, as the Lord left this beautiful uh, thing for us to do, to remember him. And I, again, this is from Romans, as Arnold shared, in Romans 6, I'm going to read one verse before that. 6 from verse 5, it says that, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Knowing this, that our old man, old self, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slave of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Amen. This is the message of the table.
table of community that to me perhaps is one of the natural expression of this unity that we have in Christ. We have been united with him in his humanity because when Christ went on the cross, we went with him. Amen. Without time, without space, you know, we are living in time and say, how could it be possible? But in God's economy, in God's eyes, there is no time. When Christ was crucified, you and I, if we have confessed him as our Lord and Savior, we have been crucified with him. Amen. And I know most of you know what I'm sharing, but I want us to remember why we are coming to this table of communion, lest it becomes a habit for us or a ritual. It's a reality that we are coming to reiterate our union with Christ. And Amen. one more, more thing is that there's newness of life every time that we come to the table of communion. He said something that it echoed in my mind all the time. Last night, as he was with his disciples, he said, take, eat this bread. This is my body broken for you, meaning that he's going on the cross. And he said, take this cup and drink it, all of you. This is the new covenant. Amen. Every time that we come to the table, we are remembering that new covenant that we have in Christ. Every time Abraham erected an altar, he confessed and renewed his covenant with God that he is sovereign. And there shall be no other God than the Lord, mm -hmm. the living God. And that's what the Lord said to Israelites last night as he was leading them out of the Egypt. He said that there shall be no other God but me. And that's what we're doing when we're coming. That's what we're coming to confess, to look at this covenant that we have with the Lord in a new way. In a, this life that we are preaching here, sharing here, whoever is sharing, it's about that newness of life. It's not about you to feel good and go out of here and try to live this life. Don't try it, my brother and sister. We cannot live this life. We need to believe the reality of this life that the Lord has given us. And stand firm in the faith that he has given us. And ask him to open our eyes spiritually Amen. so we can see the reality of this new life that we have received. Amen. So it's not a ritual that we're doing. And that's what I want to encourage each and every one of us to come to the table of communion with this anticipation. Lord, show me the new aspect of who you are and what you have done on the cross and what awaits. Because what the Lord said, he said that I will not drink the fruit of this, this vine until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So not only we are being united with him in the past, but we are being united with him in the future as he's going to come to establish his kingdom. And he has to give us a renewed vision of what that means. Otherwise, we're coming to the table of communion. And one more thing, we know that the table of communion, as long, because it uh, reflects a spiritual reality, so if you have not accepted the Lord, 
coming to take a lot from Union will not do any good to you. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Apostle Paul discouraged us to come to the table if we have not accepted him as our own personal Savior. And our language literally says, if we confess by our mouth and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Lord, we will become part of his family. Amen. Therefore, death has no power over us. We are not slaves to sin, but we have been free. That's what we declare and think. So, my brothers and sisters, dear friends, if you have not accepted the Lord, first and foremost, we encourage you to confess that he is the Lord. Then, come to the table. There are abundance of blessings will be upon each and every one of us. Also, my brothers and sisters, as I know many of you have accepted the Lord, let's come to, come to the table of honor. Communion with this anticipation that God is going to show a new aspect, a new revelation of who he is and what he is. Amen. Let's not Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Truly, you are a living God. And we confess that we have been united with you. Therefore, Lord, we don't look for the mistakes that we made. We don't look for the things that we do out, out of faith. You know that those things do not bring glory to you. But, Lord, we commit ourselves into your mighty hands. We're saying that your blood has the power to wash us, to clean us, to cleanse us, Lord. So death has no mastery over us. Neither sin has any power over us. But in you, Lord Jesus Christ, we have received this new life. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us the vision to walk in that newness of life that we have received from you today. I thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, that in you we have received life, in you we have been saved, in you we have been healed. As your word says, as you went on the cross, you took our, all our infirmities upon yourself. And what a beautiful example you left for us here to remember. As long as we come to the table of communion, we remember your death and resurrection. We remember that we have been crucified with you, and we shall certainly be resurrected with you, Lord, and will be with you forever in that beautiful eternity that awaits for the true believer. Amen. I thank you, Lord, with thanksgiving and confidence in your love and honor that you have given this opportunity to me to be called your children, part of your children, part of your family. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I pray truly that you will be glorified today in, in our midst. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As you're coming up, I'm just going to sing a quick acoustic song, so you guys want to feel free to sing along.
Was it understandable? Go ten, go ten, go ten. Please to sit. I will feast at the table of the Lord. And I won't hunger anymore at his table. Come all ye weary, come and hide. His yoke is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the table of the There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table of the Lord. And now I won't hurt thee anymore. Oi, Toto. That is so cute, huh? Adam. Come is he at the table of the Lord. There is healing at the table of the Lord. Oh, and I won't suffer anymore at his table. Come all ye weary, come and find his yoke is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the table of the Lord. Amen.
Amen. Amen. I like your shirt. I like yours. Thanks. I was going to say, where did you get this? Uh, Lululemon. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like a Lulu pattern. Yeah. I want to get it in every color. It's right. so comfortable and stretchy. These are Lulu colors. Yeah. They're so I have the black of those. They're the best. Dude, these, I love the their stuff. It's just so expensive. It's like I go in there every time. I'm like, oh. I know. I'm actually going to go this week because my dad's birthday is next Yeah. That's funny you mentioned that because yesterday I was wearing the, um, I have those, but I ha there's, you know, the ones with the zip on the side. Oh yeah, yeah. So my dad's all like, I want something like this. And I'm like, I feel bad. I'm going to get him one like too. The jogger kind. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get the shorts. I want to get like all their stuff. I know. I don't know if I would, I mean, I, I don't mind paying that much for one short, like, yeah. but I don't really, I, I've been wearing the same shorts for so long. I never buy shorts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I want their button-up long sleeves. For like I want everything. You do? How? Oh, not bad. I want so many things. How do you get the discount? Oh. I'll send you some stuff. Imagine I keep sending you everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I love their stuff. Uh, yeah, it's newer. And then when I went in the store, they only had this one, and it was ten, fifteen percent off. And I'm like, is there something wrong with it? Like, no, 